Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Soprano. For this episode, we're going to be trying something that's new for us. We have two segments, and the first segment is going to be with Keith Wood. He's the superintendent at Quail Hollow Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Keith and his team hosted an ultra-successful PGA championship earlier this year. So we thought it would be cool to get Keith on the podcast to discuss what life has been like at Quail Hollow since the PGA championship left town. And he's also going to talk about the Carolinas GCSA conference and trade show where he's going to be co-teaching a seminar this year. And then for the second segment, we're going to be speaking with Adam Charles. He's the superintendent at the preserve at Verde in Greenville, South Carolina. And Adam is also the president of the Carolinas GCSA. So we thought it'd be great to catch up with him to discuss the upcoming show in Myrtle Beach. We hope you enjoy this different format, and more importantly, we hope you enjoy hearing the thoughts uh, Keith and Adam have been able to provide. Well, Keith, thank you so much for joining us. You're always gracious with your time, and we really appreciate that. The first thing i got to ask you is, what has life been like at Quail Hollow since the uh, PGA Championship left town? Well, Guy, thanks for having me. And, um, yeah, I guess last time I ran into you was during the PGA Championship, so... uh... That week was uh, kind of hectic, and uh, I appreciate you coming around. But, you know, since, uh, since Justin Thomas uh, won the championship and we gave him the trophy, things haven't slowed down much around here, to be quite honest with you. We're, uh, we kind of flipped the script, and, you know, we're now focused in on the um, 2018 Wells Fargo Championship, which we host in early May. It was pretty quickly that we, we started repairing damages from the PGA Championship and uh, we got the golf course overseated and, uh, you know, we're, we're locked and loaded and ready to get going with the, uh, the Wells Fargo Championship in May. The PGA Championship wasn't just one of the biggest sporting events to ever come to Charlotte. It was probably one of the biggest events ever for your area. How rewarding was it for you and your team to play a key part in bringing so much revenue and goodwill to the region? Well, you know, a guy, um, it, it was very rewarding. It was very rewarding for everybody on a personal level. I think that, uh, you know, we had invested a lot of our time and effort, and there was a lot of pride that went into um, maintaining the golf course, and, and there was a lot of pride from our membership on uh, how the golf course was viewed from the public. So, um, you know, it meant a lot. Um, but I will say that, uh, you know, we were just doing our job. And I think that anybody who was, who had the opportunity to uh, do what we did would have done the same thing, and they would have gone out there and done everything that they could do to make Quail Hollow Club the best it could be and make the PGA Championship the best ever. And um, when you talk about those best ever moments, yeah, there, there was a lot of them here at Quail Hollow that, uh, that we're very proud of, you know, that uh, they broke ticket records. Um, they set uh, revenue records. Um, heck, I think they were doing a million dollars a day just out of the Wanamaker tent alone as far as food and beverage. So um, there was a lot of things that happened, not only for the golf course, but for um, the city and for uh, the state of North Carolina and even for the PGA of America that, uh, you know, that these goals can be reached uh, when everybody works together and puts forth the best effort. And, of course, when you have a facility like Quail Hollow that can um, – they can carry the weight and the demand of what it takes to, to put it on at that level. I think one of the things that people in my position don't do a good enough job of asking people about or describing is what is it like after the event? We spend so much time on 
the months leading into a major championship and the week of the major championship. What is the Monday after a major, major championship like for a golf course superintendent? Well, goodness, guy, the, the Monday after, um, you know, you're still kind of punch drunk, you know, just kind of trying to figure out, for me, is like, what in the world am I doing here today? But, you know, you have, um, you have people playing golf, so that's one thing. Also, something that maybe a lot of people don't think about, but, you know, you, you saw the infrastructure was here, the tents, the equipment, the loaner equipment, the gracious support we got from John Deere Golf and a lot of that. But a lot of that stuff, that Monday after, is it's the exit day. So not only are some of the vendors getting off property where you want to make sure you, you're keeping an eye on them so they don't go crazy and, and tear things up because it's a mass exodus, but, you know, um, John Deere was here picking up a lot of equipment. Our tent company was here um, getting stuff out of the tent. So that meant, you know, that, that we had to get our stuff out of the tent. You know, we had to get all our food and beverage and things and, you know, all the banners that you saw and how we decorated the tent, everything had to come down. So um, there were just a few few of us here that met that morning that um, they got those things done and got out of the way and, and got things set up for our vendors to pick up. But, um you know, it's just another day, really, as far as the tournament structure goes. So you host, you have the week before, which is the advance week, and then you have the tournament week. Well, the week after is considered just another long week, really, to be honest with you, guy, where you're, everything's coming down and you're getting people out of there and you're cleaning things up. How long did it take to get the golf course and the grounds back to normal? And is it even back to normal yet? Yeah, actually, um, so... Well, it was beginning uh, mid October. I think we we got everything done. It took the uh, it took the tent contractors probably about six weeks to get all the scaffolding down. Um, you know, and we were right behind them cleaning things up as as they took it down. And as you can ma- and imagine that if you've got a tent that's been on the ground for six to eight weeks, what it looks like up underneath that tent, um, tall grass. Uh, from where the Bermuda grass is just just growing up underneath there, and uh, a lot of trash and debris. Um, so we were right behind those guys, airifying. Where we picked up all the trash, we had to run a magnet over things. You have to do that, by the way. You have, you got to get all the screws, nuts, and bolts out because they're not as clean uh, leaving as they are putting things up. Get everything cleaned up. Get the grass cut. Get it airified. Get it fertilized. Uh, and then hope you have enough time to grow it back in uh, before the winter sets in. And luckily this year we were we were able to do so. Um, but, you know, with that cleanup, with these guys that are, when they're taking the scaffolding down and they're cleaning things up, it's, um, it's really tough on the staff because you no longer have that, uh, it's almost like a juvenile energy leading up to the event where everybody's just so giddy with excitement uh, for the event. After the event's over, the excitement's gone. You're left with this huge mess to clean up, and um, and that's always a difficult time to manage to motivate employees. And when everybody, all they really want is a break. But what you have to remind them is that hosting these major tournaments is almost like a a three month commitment. There's a a month beforehand getting the golf course ready. There's the month of the tournament, and then there's the month after the tournament where you. You literally put just as much work into getting the golf course put back together as you did to prepare for the tournament. So um, it's quite a time, and, you know, you have ups and downs with the staff, and, and you really have to be a good manager and figure out how to 
motivate people and uh, to get things done because ultimately the membership wants the golf course back as quickly as they can have it back. What are some tactics that worked for you? What were some motivational ploys that you have used the last few months to make sure that your uh, your team stays focused on what the membership wants now? And motivation was a hard thing. I think the way that we motivated our staff was uh, we just got in there and worked with them. Uh, that, that was the best thing that we could do was just, you know, hey, we're all in this together. Just don't forget it. This is what we signed up for. may suck at times. You know, I'm, I'm tired of working 12-hour days too, but it is what it is. Let's go ahead and hunker down and get it done. Thanksgiving will get here soon enough, and usually between Thanksgiving and Valentine's Day is pretty quiet on the golf course. We'll get back to a, a normal working schedule, but right now we got to focus in on doing the best thing that we can. Additionally, we made sure that the staff knew that what we were doing to the golf course, not only fixing and repairing the damage for, from the PGA Championship, but prepping for the Wells Fargo Championship meant we were overseeing the golf course. All that work that went into cleaning up and prepping, ability and the opportunity to do something that not a lot of other golf courses have uh, the opportunity to do, which is host a major championship and flip right over and host one of the premier events on the PGA Tour. So just making sure that they understood that, that they were going to be a part of something special and that they needed to do the job to the best of their ability so that way we could showcase the golf course not once but twice in you know eight month period was uh was paramount and again we just asked everybody to buy into what we were what we were doing and that we were going to work side by side to get this done and once we got it all done uh we would each uh take a break you have a tremendous team at quail hollow what type of opportunities hosting a successful major championship how will that help the careers of some of the people on your your staff? And also, how will that help Quail Hollow attract some of the brightest young turf mines in the future, too? Yeah, well, I, I hope that uh, all the exposure definitely helps us attract more and more um, qualified and, and, and brilliant turf managers, people with a passion. Um, because uh, also, I hope that hosting a lot of these tournaments and, and letting these guys get exposure – to what it means to to be a part of a big operation like this, uh, hopefully it means they'll be able to move on to a bigger and better jobs um, in whatever part of the country they want to be in. You know, hopefully it opens doors for them to be able to do that. So, um, it also, guy, it also gives me the ability and my assistants, especially my assistants, the ability to evaluate talent. Uh, so when you get a big volunteer base, usually of uh, assistant superintendents or interns. Um, these guys are going to move on and, and be superintendents uh, in the future, and you know they may uh, may run into somebody that they worked in at a hosting a tournament uh, while they were volunteering. So it goes back to that networking situation. So I, I would hope that with our volunteer base and with our staff, that you know it's a big networking event that they're able to showcase their talents and work with some people hand-in-hand hand that may pay off in the future for um, for them to land a good job or, or work with somebody that they thought highly of. Speaking of networking, we're getting ready for the Carolinas GCSA show. It seemed like half of the people involved in the golf industry in the Carolinas were in your maintenance tent at one time or another at Quail Hollow. What is it going to be like seeing so many familiar faces in Myrtle Beach? Oh, it's going to be fantastic. I've um, been going to the show for Dude, it's, it's been a number of years, and uh, I, I always have a great time. Uh, 
and the thing for me is, and even with the PGA Championship, is I've never grown grass anywhere other than the Carolinas. So uh, this is my group of peers. While you know, it was, it's nice being recognized on the national level hosting a, a major championship, you know, what really makes me proud is uh, to see my peers uh, feel so good about what we did at, at, during the PGA Championship here at Quail Hollow. So it's going to be good going to the Carolina show. It's, um, it's going to be a little bit different for me this year. They've asked me to speak at one of the seminars, um, so that'll be a first for me. Um, and, and that should be some fun. The Carolina show, is, it's a great time. It's uh, a lot of good people there. We have a lot of fun. It's, it's one of those times where you get to go out and educate each other on what we've done, share stories about what worked over the past couple seasons, and also it's a good chance to kind of take a break and, and have a beer with your peers and um, then get off property and kind of let your hair down for a little bit. You're teaching a seminar with the PGA Tours, Paul Vermillion, who I just saw in Louisville give an excellent presentation, and also Craig Walsh at Eagle Point, who hosted the Wells Fargo this year. What is it going to be like up on the stage with those two guys, and what are you going to try to convey to an audience that may not host a major championship but still have big events of their own? Craig and I have talked about this. Uh, we kind of joked each other, like, uh, can we make our presentations very short and you know, give the stage to Paul because, uh, you know, Paul has seen and done so much and, and worked um, not only around the nation but around the world hosting major golf events. And uh, anytime you get a chance to, to talk to Paul and pick his brain about what uh, what's going on over here or what this course did to produce these kind of conditions, uh, it's amazing. You get to just learn so much from hearing him talk. He's got so much to, uh, to share. But uh, my goals for the seminars, basically just share my experiences, uh, what we learned hosting the PGA Championship. And it's kind of kind of like what I was talking to you about earlier before we started the podcast. But, you know, I had no idea that there was going to be this much demand for the golf course before the PGA Championship. You know, we're, we're not used to having a bunch of outside outings at Quail Hollow Club, and, and here we go getting ready to uh, host the PGA Championship. There's this demand for outside outings. So, I was not prepared for the volume of play from outside outings or from our members bringing their guests because they were so proud of the golf course and what was going to happen that, uh, you know, that we had a lot of play this summer. And that greatly affected the way I prepared the golf course. But we were still able to figure out a way to get it done. And, and from all accounts, um, everybody seemed to be pleased with the condition of the golf course in the PGA Championship. So I, so I reckon we did a good job. Obviously, this year is a little bit different for you because you are teaching in Myrtle Beach. But when you go to the Carolinas GCSA show, what are you looking to accomplish? And what are some things you've seen at that event over the years that you've been able to implement at the clubs you've worked at? Yeah, a lot of times yeah, I sit in for – I normally take two classes on Tuesday and sit in for all the general education stuff on Wednesday. And I have a good time with the general education stuff on Wednesday, to be quite honest. The, um, uh, they've put together quite a, a Wednesday – session where they get some innovative superintendents come up and speak. You know, we hear research. Um, uh, uh, we hear NC State and Clemson give briefings on the research and what they've found throughout the years. And you always enjoy um, Pat O'Brien when he gets on stage there to close the Wednesday general education sessions because he just keeps everybody laughing. But, uh, you know, you learn quite a lot. And 
and then again, walking through the trade show, I love seeing my peers and, and linking up with them and talking on the trade show floor and then getting to see some vendors and picking up some information from those guys. Uh, and, you know, there's a little bit of business that is done on the trade show floor. You know, it happens to be early order time, so you know, there's still some talk of some early order stuff going on on the trade show floor. So it's it's good. But, you know, I did win a cooler one year from the 27-hole challenge that uh, – that the Carolinas has done such a good job with. And, yeah, that's always fun, going to get your card stamped and hanging out and seeing if you, if, if you won something. I think they're giving away three grand this year, which is fantastic. Yeah, those Yeti coolers are, are quite the prize. And I think uh, half the people in the golf business now have found a way to acquire one, one way or another. But on a serious note, it's not over yet. But to you, what's what's been the most memorable thing about this year when you look back on 2017 what are you going to remember about it wow well um i'll be honest with you i think what i'm going to take away from 2017 is uh watching the three assistant superintendents that i have here we're lucky enough to have three but with um with the way that things go at quail hollow as busy as we are and as many projects as we have um we need three but watching those three guys um grow and work together this year has been been quite the quite the thing um they uh they understood what hosting a major championship what it was going to take out of each one of them they settled into their roles that they they chose so we had one of them go into managing the staff the other one was managing all the applications and the other one was managing actually the the build for the pga and and watching these three guys um grow individually and grow as a team um, and grow into what I think are going to be excellent superintendents here very soon uh, is what I'm going to take away from 2017. That's uh, That was more important to me than, than the championships or anything else we've done. Those, those guys uh, did a great job and they grew a lot professionally. Well, Keith, we really appreciate the time and uh, congratulations on everything you and your team have accomplished this year. You've done a tremendous job of representing the golf industry and good luck with the last two months of 2017 and as you head into 2018. Yeah, God, thanks a lot. And uh, hopefully you'll you'll come back down here in May and, and cover the Wells Fargo Championship. We think the, we think the golf course is really going to be something special. And as good as it was for the PGA Championship, we're really hoping that uh, – uh, for this Wells Fargo Championship in May that we really opened some eyes and, and continue to make Quail Hollow shine in the brightest light. As always, Keith has delivered an excellent interview. We're appreciative he was able to take the time to join the podcast, and now we're going to switch to Adam Charles, the superintendent at the Preserve at Verde and the president of the Carolinas GCSA. Well, Adam, thank you so much for taking some time to join us. What has the past year been like for you being the president of the association and balancing your, your jobs as a golf course superintendent? Uh, it has been uh, fantastic. It's been uh, very challenging but uh, very rewarding in the same sense. Uh, no secret that we've had our, our health scares and our car accidents, things like that with staff, but um, – had a really fun year uh, in leading the association and um, great year on the golf course as well. The, the weather's been awful warm, so turf conditions have been good. and you know, All around, just, just a positive year. Yeah, I think a lot of people in the business are thinking about maybe joining the board or getting more involved with their association. What would you tell them about the experience? Well, I've been involved with Carolina's board for eight years now. And, yeah, everybody starts because... They, they have a 
a motivation to serve or a motivation to get involved or, or a problem, something bothers them that they want to change. And the result of that is immeasurable what you get in return personally or interpersonally in serving others. Um, so for me, being involved was kind of in my lineage and the people that I mentored under. And, you know, and, and that right, yeah, it was, it was second nature to me. You know, I'd witness guys being of service and being involved and, and helping the profession. And then to get, get involved personally, it's, you know, the benefit has, has, has been greatly mine. Um, you know, our, our membership has certainly benefit for, benefited from their peers' involvement. But, uh, yeah, if you, if you have any interest in serving, jump in committee levels, jump in interest in board service, it's fantastic. What are examples of some opportunities and some people that you've met that you've gotten to because you've served for such a long time? Yeah, opportunities to spend personal time with people like Palmer Maples or um, you know, other past presidents of the association, um, Steve Sheets, um, Pete Gurdon. You know, lots, of, lots of interesting people that you encounter in either hosting events at their facility or you know, just general interaction altogether. You know, there's uh, you know, there's a level of accountability in being a board member, and, and members at large seek uh, seek you out to, to share their thoughts. And you know, it's a it's a great opportunity to get to know people. You know, I would I would like to think when uh, when the show rolls around in a couple of weeks, I will probably I will probably know by name and face 75 percent of you know over 2,000 people. Um, so down the line in my career, that's that's immeasurable. Boy, I can't imagine knowing 1,500 names. That's very impressive. But speaking of the show, yeah, we're on the, the, the brink of it. It's coming up very soon. What excites you about the 2017 Carolina's GCSA show? Uh, lots of new things this year. Yeah, we, we had fallen into a routine that was very successful, and we're, we're, we're still playing off of that. But uh, the tweaks we have coming are some great classes with uh, – some of the University of Tennessee professors are mixing up topics and, and freshening up the education seminars, uh, offering the Holy Grail, which has been our most attended class the, the past two or three years in general sessions. So there won't be a limit on attendance. Uh, the other thing is m- mixing up the, uh, the golf location, the golf venue. We've been at Barefoot for several years, and they're always fantastic hosts. But you know, People like to play different golf courses and mix it up a bit, so... We're, we're taking that feedback, and uh, we're going down towards Pauly's Island this year. How challenging is it to make things different? You obviously have a successful template. What is it a challenge to think of new things every year, and how, do, how does the board and the staff go about doing that? It is challenging uh, when it becomes to the scale of the event. You know, and, and the golf tournament for, is, a, is a good example you have between 300 and 350 golfers and there are very limited locations in Myrtle Beach, even with all the golf courses that are down there, to make the logistics of the event work. That's why uh, Barefoot was, was a great home with all the courses being located right on top of each other. You have the same with the convention center. We've, we've sold out every square inch of, of floor space they've had for a number of years running. So... We're, we're bumping up against limitations that, that we can't overcome, and 
integral portions of the event are, are certainly the trade show and the opportunity at seeing equipment or innovative ideas, the education, and then the camaraderie, which is the golf and the outside events. So, you know, it's, it's just constantly trying to avoid those things getting stale and, and tweak them slightly to find new efficiencies or opportunities. Unfortunately, this is going to be the last Carolina's GCSA show where Dr. Bruce Martin is a member of the Clemson University research team. How sad is it to see him go, and what has he meant for turf grass in the region? Uh, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it regionally. I would, I would say internationally. It's, it's hard to think of, of what we're going to do with, without Bruce Martin, and certainly we'll, we'll lean on uh, Jim Kearns and NC State faculty a little more heavily, which will be there. Um, but with Bruce leaving, and I'm, I'm a Clemson grad, so let's call it 20 years ago I was taught by Bruce Martin and then counted on him for, for many, many, many problems over the years and programs that he's researched and those sorts of things. We're going we're gonna to have a, at least a five-year span to where we're going to have a void to fill, and hopefully Clemson can find a suitable replacement and they can go through those steps and, of, of tenure and paper writing to, to get to the point to where they can get back to some real-world research and start helping us uh, again. But, you know, there's no replacing Bruce Martin. You know, he was, he is the, the best. Um, and certainly wishing the best of luck. We'll be uh, trying to do some things to honor him. Yeah, all in all, there's, there's no replacing him. Adam, how important is it for a golf course superintendent in your region where it's very difficult to grow grass to have access to some of the researchers that you have at the land-grant universities? How big is that for somebody in a position like yours? It's huge. Their extension appointments being you know, land-grant universities, as you mentioned, you know, part of their service to the state is extension, and that's, that's coming and addressing problems that, that we have and um, you know, helping helping all golf courses or all turf growers, you know, sod growers, that sort of thing, the industry. You know, it, it's very difficult to do without. You know, we're we're always evolving to new grass types or new chemistries or or all those sorts of things, and they're a they're a third party voice of reason. You know, they're 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 essentially a non non profit, or they don't have a personal interest in process to where they can share information without bias. Um, so research results with respect to that help us in managing, making the right decisions. You know, maybe there's a new product that costs 100% more than an old standard that we have, and certainly the new marketing is going to be flashy, but, you know, the research results may say, hey, just, just stay with the standard. It's not that much better or if at all. So. You know, it, it turns into true cost savings or helping manage bottom lines of facilities. It's absolutely important. You know, we're going through the steps now to to, to ensure that we get uh, a suitable replacement for Bruce, and we'll do the same with the faculty at NC State and Clemson as, as those staffs evolve and guys look at retirement. Last thing here, it's been a wildly successful year for golf in the Carolinas, if you think about it. 
the PGA Championship was at Quail Hollow. Two PGA Tour events came to the region. Obviously, you're familiar with the Web.com Tour coming to the region. The Champions Tour became to the region. Just what type of vibe did, have you felt in 2017 with golf in the Carolinas, and what are you going to remember most about this year? I would say the the, the, the family or the, the brotherhood or the, the connectivity we have because of it, um, the hundreds of peers that, that volunteered to help, um, whether it's loaner equipment, whether it's an assistant, a superintendent. You know, here personally, we hosted part of the BMW Charity Classic, the Web.com Tour event in Greenville. Yeah, I had uh, I know, probably 20 volunteers with, with a dozen of those being superintendents. And, you know, that pales in comparison to a, to a PGA Championship in Keith Wood to where, you know, 100 or more. Um, so the, the reach of asking for help and volunteering and, and you know, your peer down the street or your, your friends in the business willing to set aside a week of their life to come and help you, um, it really speaks to, to the strength of our association. Uh, that, that, would, that would be the thing that I noticed the most with all of those events. You know, and it, it, you see it time and time again. You'll, you'll notice that at the show with, with the groups and the people that you know. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy to think there's, there's that much response in a, what you would consider a small market or region. Well, Adam, we really appreciate you taking some time. I know things are crazy in the Carolinas right now. Uh, thanks a lot for everything that you do for us at GCI and what you do for the association. I know everybody appreciates it, and we look forward to seeing you at the beach. Yes, sir. My pleasure.